Welcome back. Happy Victory Monday, everybody. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Keep it locked and loaded to the fan throughout the rest of the day as Grant and Danny will be celebrating on a Victory Monday. They take over for me from 3 to 6.30, and we're always available around the country on the Odyssey app. And if you miss any of the show, my producer Christopher does a great job putting together the full hour of each show, three hours, and then a full best of hour that's available for you on your drive home. So we've done a lot of commander's talk today, but not much around the rest of the National Football League. We'll do that right now as I give you my winners and losers of week one on NFL Hits. Every regular season matchup, every head coach on the hot seat, the hit stories in the NFL, NFL Hits on A1 Radio. All right, so my first winner of the week has to be the San Francisco 49ers. Wow. I mean, wow. Everyone wondered, would Brock Purdy be healthy to start the season? He was injured at the end of last year. And wow, would the defense be as good as they were last year? Well, they picked up right where they let off. And an offense led by Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy, who carved up the Pittsburgh Steelers in San Francisco's 30-7 to blowout, removing any doubt that this team, if healthy, is a legit Super Bowl contender. They were the star of NFL Sunday. With 220 yards passing and two touchdowns, Brock Purdy is the first NFL quarterback in history to win each of his first six career regular season starts and throw two-plus touchdown passes. Winner of the week, number one, has to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number two, second winner of the week, the Dolphins. I mean, Dolphins are winner of the week. Wow. Tua and Tyreek, just stars. I mean, Tua is just so accurate. When he stays healthy, uh, the Dolphins are unbelievable on offense. It was a back-and-forth game, maybe the most fun game of Sunday. Uh, Tua put up the fourth-highest passing yards total in an opener at 466 yards passing. Tyreek Hill, third-most week one receiving yards at 200 and 15 as he also made the game-winning catch as the Dolphins would beat the Chargers in a shootout 36 to 34. Losers of the week? It's got to be the New York Football Giants. I am regretting picking the Giants to win the division. I'm regretting it already after week 1. I mean a terrible start to this season. Wow. No team has ever lost 40 to nothing or worse. Lost the sack battle 7 to nothing or worse. Lost the turnover battle 3 to nothing or worse. Had a field goal blocked and returned for a touchdown. Threw a pick six. Also, nobody's ever done that in the same season. The Giants made history doing all of that in one game. Just losers of the week. Another loser of the week, it's got to be the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. It is a mess. It's a mess. Jamar Chase gave the Browns bulletin board material, calling them elves, and then after the game had to face up and say, you know what? We just lost to a bunch of elves. The Bengals offensive line was horrible allowing Burrow to face constant pressure. He got hit 10 times. He got sacked a few times as well. And and Cincinnati, you know, a lot of people have so many high expectations for the Bengals, but they just looked awful, losing 24-3 to to the Cleveland Browns. I didn't think the Browns were going to be much better than, you know, an 8-9 and team this season, uh, but... And that's the thing, is that Deshaun Watson didn't have a good game. 154 yards, yards, a terrible turnover that was going viral on social media where he threw it right to the Bengals. But Burrow, 
82 yards passing, doesn't even get over 100 yards, sacked twice. Uh, they took him out because the, the score got out of hand in the fourth quarter. Loser of the week, the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. Here, How about another winner? The Atlanta Falcons, right? The Atlanta Falcons. P. John Robinson. P. John Robinson. If you drafted him in fantasy, I bet you were fired up after that performance. So the Falcons were facing off against the Carolina Panthers. I, I had a feeling the Panthers were going to be lousy. Bryce Young looked like a rookie quarterback for sure. Desmond Ritter, efficient, 15 of 18, 115 yards, one touchdown. Everyone thought Brian Robinson, B. John Robinson, would lead the Falcons in rushing. No, Tyler Algier. I think you got to give a lot of credit to the Falcons coaching staff. Uh, I mean, you had B. John Robinson getting a lot of yards, Tyler Algier a lot of yards. Uh, they even got Kyle Pitts involved with two catches for 44 yards, Bijan six catches for 27 yards, and a touchdown as the Falcons' defense looked great and on offense they did just enough to defeat the Panthers 24-10. to You know, I mentioned Bryce Young. He's one of the losers of the week. Loser of the week, give me three dongs for this, Chris. All of the rookie quarterbacks, three. Losers of the week. Anthony Richardson, uh, maybe he shouldn't be included because he was kind of impressive with his athletic ability in a loss. Loser. Uh, C.J. Stroud, disastrous. Loser. Bryce Young just looked like a college quarterback. Two interceptions and a fumble. My goodness, it's going to be a long season for anybody rooting for a rookie QB. And my last winner of the week, look, this is a team that a lot of people – did not know what to expect, especially this week after the news that Cooper Cup would be placed on the IR. They started their season against a playoff team last year in the Seattle Seahawks. What was the Rams that looked like a playoff team? Winners of the week, Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, and the Los Angeles Rams, who dominate the Seattle Seahawks 30-13. 30-13 outscored Seattle in the second half 23 to nothing. In the second half of this game, um, look, this game was in Seattle with the 12. When, when the crowd is going nuts, you never expect them to put up a stinker. Zero points in the second half. you got to give a lot of credit to Sean McVay, the way he schemed it up. And Matthew Stafford, he might not really know the names or faces of his wide receivers. Didn't matter. 24 for 38, 334 yards. And you know what? The biggest thing? Seattle? Couldn't get after the quarterback. Zero sacks. It's not like Matthew Stafford is running around at all. Zero sacks from Stafford as the Rams surprise everyone and get the week one win. Uh, another mention thing we wanted to mention here on winners and losers of the week, and it is not in the NFL, but I do think it's one of the biggest stories in the sports world, and that is Deion Sanders, his son Shador Sanders, and Colorado as they Blew out Nebraska 36-14. to Shador Sanders, 31 for 42, 393 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he also uh, was just spectacular. Their defense was solid as well. Travis Hunter, the guy plays on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, four tackles, four of them solo. Also had three grabs for 73 yards. He's got to be in the Heisman conversation. Shador Sanders has got to be in the Heisman conversation. I said last week that my hot take was after watching Colorado defeat TCU on the road, the team that made it to the college football playoff championship last year, that within five years 
Deion Sanders would be a national champion, well, I don't know if it's going to be five years. The way he's turned around that 1-11 program, it might be four years. Heck, it might be three. He's doing God's work right now in Colorado. They sold out the stadium after last year. Uh, I mean, you could hear crickets at home games for Colorado. They defeat Nebraska 36-14. Next week, they're going to blow out Colorado State before they have a two-game stretch that will be very interesting at the end of September at Oregon, then home facing number 5 USC. Caleb Williams against Shador Sanders. Wow, must-watch television on September 30th. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan now at 105.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. What were your thoughts? QB review for slinging Sammy Howell. 833-804-0910. As we recap the Commander's 20-16 win here on a Victory Monday. I'm Adam Epstein. This is the new Sports Radio 910. The fan now at 105.1 FM. And Odyssey Richmond is proud to be the home once again for the Washington Commanders here in Richmond. Every game can be heard in Richmond on the Odyssey app, on 910 The Fan when the Squirrels season ends. But uh, this past Sunday and next Sunday will be on WRVA 1140 AM with a full two-hour pregame show and a two-hour postgame show. So let's get back into this four-point victory here on another segment of the Commanders Corner as I give you guys a little QB review for Sam Howell. I said it to start the show. It was truly with Sam Howell. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And it was so ugly, you almost had to take your hands and cover your eyes when Sam Howell did the one thing you can't do before the end of the half, which is take a terrible sack, drop the ball, fumble it, let it get recovered, and returned for a touchdown. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We got it all Sunday at FedEx Field for Sam Howell. But I'm here to tell you this. If your biggest takeaway is not Sam Howell's ability to bounce back from his mistakes, then you are just a hater. That is absolutely the biggest takeaway. It was the good, the bad, and the ugly. No matter what, he always bounced back. There was a lot to like and a lot to not like about his play in this really his first true start of his career. Yes, you could count the Cowboys game last year. I'm not sure how much the Cowboys really even wanted to win that game or how much their ones were really playing now that we look back on this. Um, But Sam Howell in his first start this season, he showed resilience and he showed strength. That was probably the number one thing I noticed, the strength. I mean, some guys could have gone into that medical tent and called it a night, called it a day, game over. I mean, that was a crushing hit, a crushing hit. Helmet to helmet. And he bounced back. He bounced back. He didn't even miss one play. And so, statistically for the game, you know, it's not the greatest performance from Sam Howell. There was a lot of things that he left on the field, including the amount of sacks that he took. I truly think of the six sacks that Sam Howell received and that the offensive line will take credit for, three of them were truly on Sam Howell. And uh, I I definitely think we're going to look back and, and say, Look, Sam's got to get better at reading the pocket. But there were a lot of positives to take away, including that fourth quarter touchdown run. Yes, the defense gave him the ball back with short field. But, you know, Taylor Heineke had that 
opportunity a lot of times last year and only got three points on the on the scoreboard. When you get seven, when you're given that opportunity from your defense, it gives you so much momentum for both sides of the ball. Right, the defense got the stop. They're getting ready to go back on the field. But now they know they're defending a lead. And they can pin their ears back and get after the quarterback and the offense. It does not matter where you get the ball. Even if you get the ball back at the one-yard line. When you put seven points on the board, it gets everyone excited. It gets everybody fired up. It's just a positive uh, drive. And Sam Howell running into the end zone. Uh, I told you guys he's going to do that a ton this season. And he started the year off with a great rushing touchdown that ended up being the touchdown of the game and the game-winning score. So my QB review for Sam Howell, look, it's not like it was a great performance, but it was not terrible. And anytime he made a mistake like a sack or that interception or just an inaccurate pass, he bounced back. And, and after that fumble, you know, a lot of guys could have said, you know what, we should just go into half. It can't get any worse than this, right? We can't have any less momentum uh, going out of the uh, first half break here. But Eric Bieniemy didn't. He put his freaking foot on the gas and said, I'm going to throw it all over the field. And he had that big 30-yard pass to Curtis Samuel. And the team right, went right down the field and got a field goal and gave themselves confidence going into the second half of this game. Every Monday throughout the NFL season, the sports junkies that you can hear right here on 910 The Fan have a very special guest. I like to call him the Grizzly Bear, the way he gets after the quarterback with such an incredible low, uh, just low motion getting after the quarterback. He stays so low, and he fought through double teams, had a couple of big sacks. My favorite sack was the one where he made basically with his elbow swinging us. Uh, just kind of swim moving back towards the quarterback, spinning back towards him, brought down Josh Dobbs. I'm talking about your leader, the captain, Jonathan Allen, who joined the Sports Junkies this morning and told the Junks how he was able and the team was able to excel through the fourth quarter and come away with the dub. Man, I really think it was just a, a, a very attention to detail oriented focus that the team had. I mean, the DBs were locked in, the linebackers were locked in, the D line was locked in, and we were all locked into our job. And, you know, when we're in that position, I mean, Coach Del Rio puts his trust in us. He's not out there calling blitzes and calling games. We, Like you said, we invested a lot of picks on the defensive line. And when you're in that situation, it's on us to get pressure on that quarterback and make everybody else's jobs around us easier. And we know that. And we honestly, we want that challenge. We want that opportunity. And, you know, we were able to take advantage of it this right. game. Yeah, I, I felt that the entire fourth quarter, that anytime the defense was on the field, they just had an extra sense of urgency. I mean, they were getting through that defensive line like it was nothing. The secondary was jumping passes and, and batting them down. And there were times last year, throughout the entire season, 17 weeks, where the defense would come on the field with the fourth down, and I was so nervous. They're going to give up the back-breaking touchdown, and Taylor Heineke won't be able to lead the team uh, back to victory. But I didn't notice that at all. You know, yesterday I had the utmost confidence in the defense to get the stop on the in the fourth quarter there, and then they get the stop to get the offense the ball back and win the game, and that is exactly what they did. It was a great game from the defense, and I, I said earlier, I think the fans had something to do about this because of the fact that there was so much juice and so much energy in that building. You could hear it on TV. They were loud. The place was electric on any third and long or fourth down. Here's Jonathan Allen with the Junkies once again talking about the fan reception and the reaction throughout the game. 
That was the best. That was the best crowd environment at FedEx Field that I've seen in my entire career. And, whole you know, career. In wow. my whole career. And when the fans come out and support like that, it just I want I want to win for them. I want to play harder for them. You know. So, like I said, we're just really happy to get them to win. Um, give them something to go home about and have a good rest of the week until next week. And you know, we'll go start it all over again. But uh, yeah, no, it, it was it was a really fun game for us. A win is a win is a win is a win. A win is never a loss. It's never a tie. A W is a W. No matter how it happens, no matter how pretty, beautiful, ugly, disgusting it is, it's a win. The Commanders are undefeated. And you know what? The new era of Washington football is undefeated. 3-0 in preseason. Oh, it didn't mean anything. Well, the boys were fired up week one. They got the win at home. And now they travel to Denver to face off against the 0-1 Denver Broncos and Richmond's own Russell Wilson. We'll break down that game throughout the week. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, Mitch Tischler, part of the Beltway Football Podcast, will join us next on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, we are live and local here in Richmond, Virginia from 12 to 3 p.m. You can always join me every Monday at Capital Ale House in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show. Happy hour just got happier. 3 p.m. to 6.30, $2 off draft beers, $3 off wine, $3 off liquor, and $3 off some of their appetizers, including loaded fries, sweet potato fries, and five-piece wings. That's Monday through Friday from 3 to 6.30. And joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline from the Beltway Football Pod, it's Mitch Tischler. What's going on, Mitch? What's going on, bud? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So, you know, I always like to start by asking you about the big guys up front. How did you feel the offensive line played for the commanders? (laughs) Well, it wasn't a banner day for the offensive line. Um... It wasn't uh, terrible, but it wasn't it wasn't great either. Uh, I thought after that uh, kind of second preseason game against the Ravens, where they played a, a D line that wasn't uh, the most intimidating group in the world, that uh, maybe things were looking up for this for uh, for these guys. But they came out week one and, uh, and struggled a little bit. Um, obviously, the 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 five six sacks for Sam Howell wasn't great. I thought uh, Andrew Wiley on the right side was. Uh, had some issues in in uh, pass protection, and the fact that they weren't able to to run particularly successfully against this Arizona front was uh, was a bit concerning. So, uh, all in all, not not a great day, but but certainly uh, nowhere to go for but uh, up from here. Yeah, so uh, I want to get your opinion on, on these two things. Number one of the six sacks, I do think Sam Hell deserves blame for at least two of them, and then with running the ball, was the offensive line bad, or was Brian Robinson not seeing the holes? I think with both the sacks and the run game, it was a combination of the two. Uh, but there's one common factor in both of those situations, and that's uh, kind of the O line, the O line struggling. Um, of the of Sam's six sacks, certainly, you know, we know now that that's kind of one of his dings is that he holds on to the ball a little too long. We've seen it uh, both both times in the preseason, and now we've seen it uh, in the regular season as well. And um, I think ultimately that first huge hit that he took. Uh, along the sideline where he had to be checked for a concussion. Probably kind of uh, 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 had him feeling a certain kind of way the rest of the game. I think he was he was kind of hurting and, and uh, battling through some things there. So, um, you know, there was a lot going on there. 
But at the end of the day, the, the whole line's got to be better, and and he's got to get the ball out quicker. It's it's uh, this offense. You know, they threw the ball. You know, almost uh, what three to three to one early in the game. Um, and part of that is that you know Eric Bieniemy wants to to use the quick passing game as an extension of the run game, and that was the plan. Uh, the problem was the Cardinals didn't bring much pressure. They only rushed four, and they were able to drop seven in coverage and kind of take away a bunch of those quick passes. So, um, you know, it's something that uh, teams are going to do to this offense moving forward. I think they see that they might be able to be successful uh, rushing only four uh, only four, only four guys. And, uh, you know, Eric Bieniemy and Sam Howell and these guys are going to have to, to adjust to that and, and figure out a way to, to, to beat uh, seven defensive guys dropping into coverage. From the Beltway Football Podcast, it's Mitch Tischler on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Follow him on Twitter at Mitch, uh, Mitch underscore Tischler. How great was the crowd? I mean, you've covered this team for a long time, and you got a great viewpoint of the games while you're filming from the sidelines. Just how loud did it get? Because the broadcast, they made it seem like it's making a, a big difference yesterday. Yeah, I mean, certainly that was the best home crowd that, that I've seen since um... – uh, you know, really RG3, at least as far as the, the enthusiasm uh, early on in the season uh, for the guys. And, you know, walking into the stadium yesterday, it felt like a like a high school reunion, a bunch of people who hadn't seen each other in years all getting back together and, you know, reminiscing about the good old days and, and you know, just kind of happy to be there. And then once you got into the stadium, I mean, walking around the concourse, you know, in between quarters, halftime was impossible. The place was absolutely packed and, they were loud and into the game, and, you know, the commanders didn't give the fans a ton to, to cheer for uh, all day through, but when it came down to the to the clutch moments, the clutch plays, uh, the Sam Howell touchdown, I mean, that place is as loud as it gets. Yeah, I mean, you certainly also did hear boos at times uh, because the offense just really – uh, wasn't working and firing on all cylinders because so many sacks and uh, that terrible fumble. Um, but let's get to team MVP. I feel like the obvious answer is Montez Sweat. Do you agree? And who else deserves the game ball? Yeah, I mean, Montez Sweat is the, the most obvious uh, uh, game changer there. I mean, he almost single-handedly kept the commanders in the game and, and maybe almost won it for them. Um, I think along the defensive line, you got to give uh, John Allen and Deron Payne you know, both game balls and those three guys were were really game wreckers. I mean, right at the end of the third quarter, you had three consecutive plays where, you know, your best players came out and shined. You had Theron Payne slice through and get a, a tackle for loss. Then you had John Allen, uh, you know, cut through and, and get another tackle for loss. And then Montez Sweat came around with a sack fumble. I mean, and that was, you know, those were the three biggest plays of the game. And that's what you need from your guys, you know, and, and clutch moments you want your best players to step up and and take a hold of the moment and that's what they did and uh really i mean you know this was a game that the defense stepped up and and really uh and then really took over and, and made sure that they weren't gonna let this Cardinals team come into town and beat them it's mitch Chesler with us here on the hadid mercer rug cleaning hotline from the beltway football podcast and mitch you're aware that the last two weeks all the talk was about terry mclaurin and that toe and, and that injury and then he was not giving an uh, an injury status for the game, and uh, he didn't have a great game. It wasn't terrible. Do you think we're going to be still talking about that toe all week long? I think it's still something that you got to monitor. I mean, you can't forget that that he's still dealing with an injury. Um, you know, Terry McLaurin's a guy who who seems to be uh, pretty regimented, at least as far as you know we can tell from the outside in terms 
of the way that he approaches practices and games and, and all those different things. And kind of the big thing that stuck, stuck out to me was Terry McLaurin arrived to the stadium about hour and a half, two hours before he normally would uh, for a typical game, at least in my experience. And to me, that tells you that he's coming in, he's getting treatment done on that toe, that foot, he's getting work done. I mean, you know, clearly, clearly it's still something that, that he's, that he's dealing with, but for, you know, four hours on a Sunday afternoon, he was able to get out there and run around. And even if he's just a distraction, just the fact that Terry McLaurin is on the field is going to cause defenses to change the way that they, that they uh, cover, that they cover this receiving core. And uh, so, yeah, Terry didn't have a big day yet. What two catches for 30 yards or so. But uh, I think the fact that he was out there is a difference maker for this offense. We have a lot of different commanders, reporters on the show. We had Funny Danny Grant uh, alongside Grant Paulson. Danny Ruye was on earlier. Michael Phillips has a new show at 910 The Fan now. But Mitch Tischer, we love having him on the show because he gets locker room access. Was there any, anything to take away from the locker room following the 20-16 to 16 commanders win? Yeah, you know, I, you know players, people ask all the time about, you know, players, um, you know, notice the difference in ownership and the feeling around the teams and, you know, kind of all those different things. And for the most part, I, I kind of think that that stuff lies over their heads, but for the first time, I, I, there was kind of a little bit of a, of a, of a breakdown. We were talking to John Allen in the, in the locker room and, you know, I think kind of the feeling across the room was like, Hey, we're happy to escape with a win. We know that's not our best football. We got to play better if we want to win games moving forward. And John was kind of talking around that kind of stuff. And at the end, he just kind of was like, you know, people who have been around this franchise or fans of this franchise who have played here know that this is the type of game that we don't typically win. So that was pretty big for us to go out there and, and get that win. I think it speaks to all the changes that are happening or something along those lines. And I think that's kind of, you know, I think that's, 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 a, that's a good way to kind of summarize the way that the players feel about the, uh, you know, the, the, all the ownership changes and all those different things is, you know, the feelings are to the, you know, the fans can talk about the feelings and, you know, how much I hate Dan and all those different things. But, you know, the players just, I think, are, are noticing that, you know, hey, maybe there's not this dark cloud hanging over us right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the players seem happier and, and you love to hear that. Mitch, thanks so much for the time. Follow Mitch on social media at Mitch underscore Tischler and check out the Beltway Football Podcast. Thanks, dude. Thank you. Yep, good talking to you. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So final segment of the day today, give you my final thoughts on the Commander's win, go around the NFL once more. And my producer, Christopher, has got a non-sports topic of the week. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for... The Flying Squirrels, who are in a playoff push right now towards the end of the season. Virginia Tech Hokies can always be heard on 910 The Fan. Uh, and the Washington Commanders. And we continue our Commanders recap right here on a 20-16 to win over these Arizona Cardinals. And really, I mean, God set us up. God set us up here. Or maybe it wasn't God, it was Roger Goddell. Roger Goodell. Because the Commanders got lucky. Any other team in the National Football League, I believe, wins that game. Washington had three turnovers, one return for a touchdown, couldn't put up much points offensively, and still found a way to have a fourth-quarter comeback, 20-16. to Got to feel good for Sam Howell. I have confidence. I don't know about you guys listening, but I have confidence 
that Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy will improve. I think Sam Howell made a few mistakes because Eric Bieniemy kind of treated him too much like a star, right? Treated him like he could make all the throws, and I don't know if he has the confidence in his own decision-making right now to do that. You know, you heard Michael Phillips talk about it a couple hours ago. They scripted a few plays to be shots to Terry McLaurin in the first quarter, and Sam Howell just didn't release the ball. He didn't feel comfortable making that throw. He was reading the defense, and I think he's going to improve in that. I also think Eric Bieniemy's play calling is going to get much better throughout the season. Um, it was straight. It was solid in the fourth quarter there. All right, run, run, run. Just run this game out. Get the win. Have your quarterback run. Get into the end zone. Uh, pretty good red zone uh, performance throughout the day for the Washington Commanders. But I also think. The enemy's play calling will be better moving forward when he just he gets more comfortable with his playmakers, right? You know, the entire week he's dealing with Terry McLaurin's not 100%, so he's got to try to game plan another wide receiver to get involved. That ended up being Curtis Samuel. Jahan Dotson, you know, he didn't show up big on the box score, but it just seemed like he was flying open, you know, floating inside of a zone and, and always open when Sam Howell was looking for him. You had... Cole Turner with one solid reception. A great catch on a great throw. And at that point, I'm saying, I want more Cole Turner. And I think you're going to see a lot more Cole Cole Turner this week. In practice, maybe he splits reps with Logan Thomas, who couldn't make any uh, big catches, felt like, on Sunday. And then in the next game against Denver, you might see Cole Turner get a bunch more targets because I think he's going to be a red zone weapon for the commanders. The defense, though, I mean, look. The defense is the real deal, right? We said all offseason, if this defense can be elite, then Washington is a playoff team. If the defense is top five, Washington can find a way to win nine or ten games. I still feel that way. We went the whole show, the whole show, without talking about Chase Young, CY20, Chase Young. Do we have to talk about him? Do we even have to talk about him? Because James Smith, uh, James Smith Williams stepped up. Casey Tuhill stepped up. Uh, a defensive tackle nobody's even heard of stepped up. Abdullah uh, um, Amadala. I mean, who is this guy? I didn't even count on his name right. And he's showing up making plays. Are we ever going to need to talk about Chase Young? Can we trade him? Well, let's get to them right. Get to that right now. The deal with Chase Young is a neck injury, and you always have to take. Uh, you know, you always have to really be cautious with neck injuries. I will say that, yes. But I don't think that Chase Young is a gamer. I don't think he wants to play. I don't think that he wants to put his body on the line and be a star. I think he believes he already arrived after his rookie season in which he had eight and a half sacks and a couple fumbles forced and one returned for a touchdown. He was the defensive rookie of the year, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. But he also, in my mind, arrived that year and doesn't care anymore. I, I think he shows that by not showing up to voluntary workouts in which everybody else voluntarily shows up except for Chase Young. And, and there's just something going on behind the scenes where I would not be shocked if Chase Young is traded. Nobody knows what's going on. Honestly, I've asked the reporters. Nobody does. Ron Rivera is being super vague with anything Chase Young. Chase is telling reporters, I'm ready. I'm freaking ready to go. Well, you know what? He wasn't ready to go. He was out Sunday, and Ben Standig of The Athletic reported that Chase Young might not be ready to return until week three because the doctors want to see how he responds to contact. Well, how does he respond to contact? What do you mean? He's a defensive end. He's going to be taking contact every single play. And if this stinger is going to be something that is going to linger for a few weeks, then we might as well not play him 
Because what is he bringing to this team being a guy on the sideline as a cheerleader? He's the best cheerleader we have on the roster, but he's not going to show up on game day. So uh, I had to get that out about Chase Young. It's so frustrating. I didn't even want to mention him all show long because why should we, right? Deron Payne was excellent. Jonathan Allen was, uh, was spectacular. Montez Sweat was your game MVP. And he did all that without any help from Chase Young on the other side. Uh, so the defense is the real deal. They deserve a lot of credit. Uh, last thing I wanted to get to on the show today was I was very upset last week when America and their head coach Steve Kerr in the FIBA World Cup. And I don't know, nobody's really watching this FIBA World Cup, right? You got baseball going on. College football began. We're all geared up for the NFL and Monday Night Football. But there's a tournament going on in which America was having Anthony Edwards be their star. And Steve Kerr just couldn't get enough talent on this roster. And Steve Kerr didn't do a good enough job coaching this team as they lost to Germany in the semifinals and then failed to get a medal in the FIBA World Cup after the team lost to Canada this morning in overtime. I mean, think about this headline for a second. America loses in basketball to Canada. Are you not embarrassed by that? It's a debacle. I'm so pissed off about this, and that's why I'm very excited because we did have some good breaking news this morning. I've been waiting for this news to happen for years, right? We all knew about the Dream Team growing up. Then you had the Redeem Team, you know, 10 years later, right, during my childhood. But since then, it feels like this USA team has been a bunch of nobodies, right? A bunch of 18, 19-year-old guys that haven't really made it. Well, breaking news, LeBron James plans to commit to Team USA next summer for the 2024 Olympics in Paris alongside Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, Draymond Green, per Sham Sharni of The Athletic, you have LeBron fired up planning to commit to play for Team USA. Alongside those stars, oh yeah, Devin Booker in, Portland's Damian Lillard in, Sacramento's De'Aaron Fox wants to play. Dallas's Kyrie Irving also says they have serious interest in committing, and hopefully this will be the end of America losing in a world championship in basketball. That cannot happen. That cannot happen. Otherwise, we can't call our NBA champions the world champions. You know, Noah Lyles talked about that when he was competing for the track and field world championships. That's a legit world championship. The NBA, the NFL, MLB, they call themselves world champions, but they're not in the Olympics, and they haven't been in the FIBA World Cup because the European-style basketball is different, and our guys just don't put our hearts into it. And you know what? They care in Germany. They care in France. They give a crap in Serbia as that team won the silver medal. Serbia won the silver medal while America fails to medal. Yeah, that actually happened. I'm not making this up. FIBA World Cup, FIBA World Cup was a failure for Steve Kerr and the USA. Appreciate everybody listening to the show today. Excellent work, Christopher. The Arizona Cardinals and the Commanders did want to give this one more shout-out before the end of the show. There were three 804 players in the same NFL game. Three players, and they were all on the same team. For the Cardinals, you had Kayvon Wallace, uh, Trey Clark, and Greg Dortch. How about that? Three guys for the Cardinals representing Richmond, Virginia, at home, there in the DMV at FedEx Field as the Commanders did get the win. But all three of those guys are also Virginia High School State Championships, uh, state champions from their time 
here in Richmond. Appreciate everybody listening to the show today. Phone lines are always open here on 910 The Fan, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. Tomorrow, we'll run around high school football in Richmond, Virginia, with Lane Casadante. We'll catch up with my guy, the Rooster, Chris Russell, and talk NFL recapping Monday Night Football's matchup. It was my certified game of the week, so that's how you know it's going to be an excellent one with the Bills facing off against the New York Jets. I'm Adam Epstein. You've been listening to AWOD Radio. It's Grant and Danny coming up next from Washington, D.C.